Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to, or watching as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And tonight, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, making our calling and election sure. How do we make sure that whenever somebody asks the question, are you saved? Are you one of those that if Jesus returned in the moment, you would be happy at that and you would be assured of your home in heaven? And this kind of goes along with what the Christianity Now podcast was about whenever Aaron Dotson and myself were uh, looking at a clip from a Paul Washer video. So uh, let's. Hold off on that. Let me look at some of these comments. Let me say my hellos, and then we'll get right into the podcast. Um, Good to see everybody here. Um, Yeah, so let me, hold on, let me back up. Let me back up. All right. Good to see y'all. Scott Wall. Hey, Lewis. Terry Purdy has got two watching on their device. And Connie Barden, good evening to you. And Mercy, good evening. Sue Ross, so glad you're here. Christine Woodall um, is here. Diana Harden. Uh, Tony, I'm sorry you, uh, your family and you have been sick. Uh, praying, thanks for continuing to do your lessons even while sick. Well, I appreciate that. And I don't know that I would say that I am sick like right now, but I am absolutely not 100%. So this, uh, this is shaping up to be a pretty short live stream this evening. Um, normally I try to go the full hour and, uh, seems like for the last two or three times I haven't been quite hitting that mark. Uh, but last week I was, I hate to, I hate to be histrionic, but, uh, I was deathly ill. Like it was bad and it started on a Tuesday. Um, it started Tuesday during the day and that evening, um, it was bad, and then Wednesday and Thursday, I didn't even get out of bed. I was in bed for uh, 48 hours. Um, in fact, I, I was 36 hours, I didn't eat uh, a drop of food. I drank plenty of liquid and stuff like that. It wasn't a stomach issue. I was just so weak and sick, I, I didn't feel like eating. Um, but anyway, thanks for your prayers, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to elicit any sympathy. I'm just letting you know. Um, I feel like I can, I can hear, um, how wonky my voice is and all that. Maybe y'all do too. I don't know. But anyway, uh, thanks for your prayers. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. And, uh, Katie Smith, good evening. Joel Pender, uh, Gita, uh, all is well, other than that little bit of, little bit of sickness. And, uh, yeah, it has been a, it has been a minute since I've seen you in a live stream. And Jenny Blackwell from New York. Good to see you. And Gwen Cooper, uh, good to see you this evening. And uh, Christine Woodall, I'm I'm doing much better. Thank you very much. Um, Missy uh, is asking about my family. My my son is getting over this. 
my wife is she's about in the middle of it. So and my daughter just hasn't gotten sick. I don't know what the deal with her is. So uh yeah, that's uh <laughs> well I, I I don't know why she hasn't fallen sick yet. Um all right. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for all the prayers and the well wishes and stuff like that. So let's let's get into the podcast I've got planned uh for ain't that the truth, Scott? It's a tough way to lose weight. Um you know, I thought about that as I was sick. You know, it's been, you know, at the 24-hour mark, and I didn't want to eat any food at all. I'm like, if this goes on, it might be a silver lining to that cloud. Um, let's talk about how to make your calling an election sure. Let's, <laughs> Evidently, it was an issue in the first century uh, with people not feeling like they were saved. Check this out. Let's go to First John. Um, I didn't plan on this, but we're going to go there anyway. I'm going to read 1 John uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and then we're going to skip to uh, chapter 5. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, by this, we know that we know him. Well, by what? If we keep his commandments. And incidentally, understand what it means about no. Um, remember what Jesus, what was recorded? Uh, the, the, oh, me, excuse me. Do you remember? Do you remember? Matthew chapter 7. A lot of people are going to say, Lord, Lord, have we not? And then list a bunch of works. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And you can go through the gospel accounts, especially in the gospel of John, and see the times that Jesus talks about being known of his Father. If you had known the Father, you would have known me. Folks, this this is a way to describe fellowship. If I know you and you know me, we are in fellowship one with another, is the idea. And that's what John is talking about here in what we call the first epistle of John. Um, He's writing it to people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And evidently, there was an issue. People were questioning their salvation. And, And how could you not question your salvation during the fledgling years of Christianity? It's really easy to understand that whenever you're baptized into Christ, you're raised again to walk in newness of life, that you have been washed from your sins in Jesus' own blood, and you have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's Colossians 1.13, Roman, uh, Revelation 1.5 and the other. That's easy. Like that, I get that. That's okay. That's good. The problem is I was baptized on a Monday, and now Wednesday has gotten here, and I I wasn't perfect Tuesday. So in less than 24 hours, I didn't live up to this lofty standard of Christianity. But I can't go back and be baptized. Can I go back and be baptized? Is that how that works? Is that what I'm supposed to do? What do we do? I understand the concept of having 
My previous sins washed away, but what about the times in the future where I slip, trip, and fall? And that's what that's what John is writing about. It's really God's second law of pardon. And we know what that is. It's, it's John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you don't have to live a sinlessly perfect life once you are baptized into Christ Jesus. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't strive for that mark? Well, God forbid, if you'll allow me to appropriate the language of our brother, the Apostle Paul. Of course, we should, stri- we, we should strive to, to, to hit that mark of perfection. All right? In fact, put your finger here. Let's go to Philippians and and look at Philippians chapter 3. And let's see what Paul says about trying to strive towards that mark. Verse 13 of Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended But one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Always press towards that mark. It's a standard that we try to live up to. It's an ideal. And just because you fall short of your ideals doesn't make you a hypocrite. Don't let people of the world look at your imperfections and say, well, you're not perfect and you're telling me we need to try to live perfect, therefore you're a hypocrite, so burn the book and go live how we want to live. That's the, that's the trap the devil has got some of these people ensnared in. What are we trying to do here? We're trying to orient ourselves towards the highest possible good of which we can conceive and live towards that. That's the idea. Now, God's second law of pardon, so what happens if you sin after you've been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son? Well, you have to confess that you have this sin. You have to confess it to yourself. You confess it one to another, and that doesn't mean that the deepest, darkest secret that you've ever held, that you need to confess it publicly. There are things that I've done in the past that, that nobody knows about, that except for a very few select people, that I'm not going to tell publicly because it's just not needed. God knows it, I know it, and the people involved know it. But the idea is you have to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to live perfectly. I'm going to miss the mark. So I am casting my care and I'm casting myself at the feet of a merciful God that paved the way of mercy. 
I'm going to walk in the light as he is in the light, but if I slip, trip, and fall, I'm going to trust that I can still be cleansed. And that's the promise. That, that's the idea. As you're going through this life, you slip, trip, and fall, you're constantly in the blood. In fact, that's how, again, th- think about th- my thumb here. If I, if I smack my thumb with a hammer and it turns dark, deep, dark purple on the end, if I didn't have blood going through my thumb, that would turn gangrene and it would eventually kill the entire body. I would have to amputate that thumb or I would die. But if all things in my body are working the way they're supposed to work and I smash my thumb, well, that blood constantly flows through and eventually that thing is healed almost back to normal. In fact, I have smashed my thumb really, really bad in a bicycle accident whenever I was just a wee fella. And I've I've got a pretty nasty scar, right? Of course, you're not going to be able to see it, but I got a I got a pretty nasty scar right there. But it's healed. I mean, it's you know, there's no soreness, there's no nothing. Um, wasn't but a few years ago, I just about cut the tip into my finger off right here, and uh, I'm now getting the feeling back. But 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 what's the point? Because the blood flows through that body part, it's constantly being cleansed. Well, if you're added to the body of Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ, and the blood is constantly cleansing you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, the context of that is pretty important. In other words, Paul's talking to people who, um, for whatever reason, he was juxtaposing the law of Moses versus the law of Christ. But we can take a general application and and develop this thought that if you walk to fulfill the lust of your flesh instead of walk to fulfill those things that the Spirit has taught us through God's Word, then we're going to have problems. We're, we're going to come out of contact with the blood if we step outside of that light. So we need to be honest with ourselves and understand that we need to be in that light. We need to be in that flow of blood. Now, how do you know that you're in the flow of blood? How do you know that you're in fellowship with God? It's right here. If we keep his commandments. And the text goes on. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, he ought ought himself, he ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Folks, it's so very simple. Do you want assurance of your salvation? 
not only talk the talk, but walk the walk as well. Do the things that God would have us to do. And that video clip, Paul Washer talks about um, Calvinists who believe in once saved, always saved, that they think that uh, they can live a life of carnality. And he, he made the point, if you're living a life of carnality, then you've never been born again. Now, you go back and listen to the podcast Aaron and I did, and we discussed that at length. But there's a certain amount of truth to that. There, there's, a, there's a principle there that can be plucked out and developed from the standpoint of truth. You know, it may be that if, if you're claiming to be a Christian and you're looking back and you're saying, well, you know what? Back in 2012, there was a gospel meeting and I got wrapped up in the emotion of a sermon and I come forward at the invitation and I allowed my body to be buried in water and I professed Christ and I was made a Christian then. And you haven't spent any time in personal development. If you haven't spent any time doing the things that God would have you to do, it may be that you did make this decision insincerely, that you were disingenuous. I don't know. I I can't answer that. That's something you got to figure out for yourself. But I've never met a Christian, a true Christian, who wasn't walking in the light, who wasn't trying to better themselves and to become better today than they were yesterday for God. And again, evidently, this was an issue in the first century because the entirety of the book of 1 John is about assurance of salvation. Now, let's, let's skip all the way to 1 John chapter 5. And let's read verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Folks, we can know. And how do we know? Do the things. Let's be branches that are bearing fruit. In fact, let's let's flip over to the book of John and let's read this little account from John chapter 15 about fruit and branches. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are, and he's telling the apostles here, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And I think a lot of times we might get this twisted. Bearing fruit as a Christian branch does not have anything at all to do with evangelism. 
the branches are the Christians. The fruit is not the Christians. The fruit is what the Christians or the branches bear. So if bearing fruit meant that you were to be evangelistic, then the fruit would be the branches. It would be a very convoluted and messed up metaphor. Let's go to Galatians now. Here's what we're talking about when it comes to bearing fruit. And I promise we're gonna we're gonna hone, we're gonna, we're gonna laser focus this in as we as we close out the podcast and make this point about being assured of our salvation. Let's see. Verse 16 of Galatians 5. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust, for the flesh, rather, lust or desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, that means the law of Moses in this instance. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, all right? So if you're in the flesh, if you're in the world, if you're not in the law of Christ, if you're not in Christ, there's evidence to that. What is this evidence? That if you're led by the, if you, if, uh, the works of the flesh, rather, evident, well, what are they? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, do you want to know for sure that you're not saved? Do these things that are contrary to God's will. Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you want to make sure that your calling and election is sure? Do you want to make sure that you know, that you know, that you know, you know you're saved? Well, we just keep on reading. But the fruit of the Spirit, oh, that's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are owned by Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then, of course, Paul goes on to talk about, um, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He that sows unto the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary while well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint or if we do not lose heart. The idea is you, nobody, nowhere, anywhere, rather, is ever promised to feel saved. In fact, that's not substantive. 
but we are promised that we can know that we're saved. I think about God as being a reasonable God. I go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come, therefore, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then God spends the next, what is it, 65 and a half chapters reasoning with Isaiah, laying out logically his own scheme of redemption and how he's going to save humanity, save the Jews and uh, specifically? Well, we can reason with God. Do you feel saved? No. No, I don't feel very saved right now. I feel like I've really messed up. I feel like I've let God down. Okay, so what can we do about this? Well, I want to change how I feel. Oh, that's easier said than done. How do you change how you feel? You got to change what you're doing first. So you don't feel very saved, which is causing you to doubt that, you, that you're saved. So what do you do? You start sowing to the Spirit. You start 1 John chapter 2. Keep His commandments. And then the reasonable part of your brain, you're going to be like, hey, I know that I'm saved. And now the feeling part of your brain is going to be affected by that. But guess what? If you just live in the feeling part of your brain and you don't feel saved, if you don't break that cycle and recognize that, then the action part of your brain is going to be affected. And then you're going to start slipping back into some of those old habits, into some of those old ways that you walked before you gave your life to Jesus. And it's so very interesting that behavioral uh, modification, uh, therapy for people, it's all based on this premise. The best thing that you can do if you're depressed is regardless of how you feel, get up and put your shoes on and go touch grass. Do something. Find one little bitty thing that you can do that's not laying in bed all day, that's not perpetuating this cycle. And then the way you feel will change and the way you feel would be commensurate with the actions you're taking. We got a lot of comments here. Let me, let me get these comments. That's right, Deborah. Some things is no one else's business. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, first, first John 1 3 talks about that fellowship. Katie, you're exactly right. And then Scott Wall says, "If why well, can't hold on? If we add if we add these Christian graces to our lives and walk in them, we will be fruitful. We are working out our own salvation by being diligent and working at making our calling and election sure. God's not a rewarder of them who do not diligently seek after Him. He alluded to Hebrews eleven six. 
Uh, in order to be pleasing to God, we must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Uh, we have to work at it. We'll never be perfect, but when we work towards that prize, we are perfect by Him. That's why we don't have to die with a prayer on our lips. God will forgive the sin that we slip on, but are sorry for from the heart. That's it. Yeah, Connie, you've heard me talk about this a lot over the years, haven't you? Um, a lot of people teach this idea. Uh, you you uh, you go to bed and you say, dear, dear God, forgive me of my sins as I lay down to go to sleep. So you're forgiven. And you wake up in the morning with a, with a clean slate. And then before on the way to work, something happens and you sin. And you say, dear God, please forgive me of that sin. And you go back and forth throughout your day, jumping from being lost to saved, saved to lost, lost to saved, and then from saved to lost. And you come in and your wife says something, you don't dwell with her in knowledge, you snap at her, you commit a sin against her and against God. And before you can change out of your work clothes and pray and ask God for forgiveness of that sin, you die of a heart attack. Are you going to go to hell? Well, I some some people that's the way they live their lives, and it and it becomes um, pardon me for using this kind of language and 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 illustration, but it becomes a crapshoot. Just rolling the dice. Did I pray last, or did I sin last? There's no assurance of salvation in that. There's no hope. God loves us more than that. Peter was one of Jesus' chosen, and he denied him three times. He returned to him through the, through, he, ah, sorry guys, I can't read. He returned to him, though, to walk in the light. That's exactly right. And, um, yeah, we misread or overread people's intentions and do not give anyone the benefit of the doubt. We immediately require that they repent or apologize for offending us. Many offenses are unintentional. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, there are a few things that I have some very hard lines as far as boundaries, but most, most things, I just, people are going to be people. Just do what you're going to do. It doesn't bother me. <clears throat> And, of course, Connie says she's not talking about willful sin. Yeah, absolutely, Connie. And I know, that you, I know that you're not saying, and neither am I, that just because we have God's second law of pardon, that we have a license to sin. In fact, again, I'll appropriate the language from our brother, the Apostle Paul. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. That's it, Christine. Uh, love will cover a multitude of sins. <laughs> Katie Smith says it's kind of like the opposite of the Lord of the Rings being in the light of Sauron wasn't a good thing. Sauron was the big bad in Lord of the Rings in Middle Earth. But being in the light of God is the goal of Christianity, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And good evening, Douglas Connerly. All right. Yeah, we got some good comments here. They're they're too numerous to read them all. Thank you so much. And um, now, I hope. Actually, let me let me give you an illustration that was given to me, Johnny Ramsey, uh, and I'm not saying that that he did right. I'm not saying that I would never do this. I'm just telling you what it was told to me that he did. That a woman called him up and said, you know, Brother Ramsey, woe is me. Nobody at this church loves me. Uh, Nobody thinks anything of me. Nobody comes to visit me. I just don't, I just feel so discouraged that I don't even have faith anymore. And to this sister's surprise, Johnny Ramsey says, Sister, you make me sick. Go to the store, get a cake or bake a cake, carry it to a shut-in, and leave me alone. I've got work to do. And he hung up on her. Now, <laughs> Sunday rolls around, and she meets him in the aisle, and she says, Brother Ramsey, I've got words for you. He said, I figured you might. She said, I've never been so mad at anybody in my life so I was mad at you that, that day on that phone call. And the only way I could deal with it is I did exactly what you said. I baked a cake, and I took it to Sister So-and-So, the shut-in, and we sat on her front porch, and we ate cake and drank coffee for two or three hours, and it was the best time that I've had, and I feel better now than I have in years. Thank you so much. Now, what what, what went on there? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. She wasn't feeling very worthy. She wasn't feeling very saved. So what was the prescription? Go out and do something Jesus would want you to do. Go edify one of the brethren. You know, idle hands are the devil's tools. That may be why, if there is problems in churches, that may be why we have them, because we have too many idle hands. Let's be busy about the work. Let's, regardless of how we feel, let's do what Jesus would have us to do. That's it, Gita. She changed her focus. She absolutely did. She changed her focus. And I love this. But listen, listen to how strong this is. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. I can't find the verse. Ain't that terrible? All right here. Sorry, it was staring me right in the face, folks. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why is that? You know, man, that, let's go to Romans chapter 6. That reminds me of something. Check this out. All right, and I'm going to make this point here. I'm going to start reading in verse 17 of Romans 6. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, 
yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which, which, to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Work with your hands. Do you ever feel like you're losing faith? Do you ever feel like you're not good enough? Do you ever feel like you're not saved? Find something to do. Change your focus. Don't sit in this metaphorical dark room of spiritual depression. Call somebody up. Get the church directory. Call somebody up and say, hey, Hadn't spoke to you in a while. Just thought I'd call and check on you. How are you doing? That's that's needed. That that's a that's a work of the church. That's edification. How do you make sure that you're saved? How do you make sure, rather, that you're not going to fall back into what you were doing in the past? Lend your members as instruments of righteousness, as opposed to lend them to instruments of lawlessness. Remember Galatians chapter 6, what we read, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth unto the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. One of the things that I learned from that passage is you cannot not sow. You're either going to sow to the flesh or you're going to sow to the Spirit. Man man cannot be idle. Man cannot be idle. So you're going to have to sow. And the the way to make sure that you're sowing to the Spirit as opposed to the flesh is to be about the business of sowing. Because you cannot sow both to the Spirit and to the flesh. You can only sow to one or the other. And remember, you're going, to, you're going to reap much more than you sow. And I suppose that's the lesson tonight. The lesson, what you're going to reap, what you're going to reap is that blessed assurance of faith. The hope to know that you're walking in the light as he is in the light. Because you are a branch tied into that vine, getting the supply of the Spirit. And you are bearing precious fruit for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You cannot be lost while you're doing that. It is impossible for you to be lost while you are doing that. And that's all I've got. I'm I'm about to give out on you, folks. Uh, if I had more voice, I'd go back and read some of these 
uh, comments, but I just don't have it in me. I really thank you so much for the encouraging comments that I see. I thank you so much for what you have uh, done for me. I thank, I thank you for the support that you've given Digital Bible Study. Uh, there are ways to support me. You can contact me for those. And um, thank you so much. Yeah, y'all pray for me. I'm not, I'm not dying anytime. Well, I don't think I'm dying anytime soon. I'm not planning on it. I don't feel like I am. I'm just a little under the weather. So uh, keep me in your prayers. Keep my family in your prayers. And uh, remember, you can boldly say, I am saved. If Jesus were to come back right now, I would have a home in heaven. And don't let anybody tell you differently. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we will catch you on the flip side.